2: Mid Morning with Mike Graham Talk Radio, and I'm delighted to say that joining me this morning for the first of
1: many very regular occurrences, uh, Mr. Richard Tyson is here. Very nice uh, to see, you, Richard. Great to be here in this studio, and I'm also the very happy recipient of the wonderful makeup. The makeup, the part, makeup team. You know, I it, well, we're now. This is almost like a competition. Like, I know. You know who do people think is looking no, better? Trust me, it's not a competition.
2: <laughs> You've already lost. It's you know I've been down there for many many times this week, and it's been tremendous. They're spending more money on my makeup than they are actually on paying me. Well. You know, this is why this is why it looks. Maybe we should it does. take the hint. <laughs> well, listen. But the funny, the funny thing is, though, is you get so used to then looking in the mirror and seeing yourself about twenty years younger. Yeah. Um, you don't want to take it off, do you? I know. And then I you mean, were... I went to the pub yesterday afternoon; it was still on. And people actually are now so used to seeing me like this,
1: they don't realise I'm wearing any makeup. Did they think you've had Botox or something? I mean, what... I... Well, they haven't said that, but it's almost the same thing, that's... isn't it? Maybe that's the chat. Maybe some of the viewers are now, you know, mm. really quite. Has concerned he had about Botox? This. Well, yeah. I'm not sure. I want to. It's not filling. I need really, is it? <laughs> it's more like taking out. I mean, yeah.
2: James Max was down there yesterday. He says, "Do you do liposuction?" <laughs> 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 but anyway, welcome. Uh, you're no, going it's... to be here with us for, for quite a considerable period. That's All right. right. No, that's fantastic. We've got lots of great plans uh, and and sort of regular features that we're going to do. But let's kick off, first of all, with the football, because obviously that's not even if you're not into football. And I know not everybody is. This ridiculous kind of taking the knee thing has now taken on such mammoth proportions because they've become so intransigent.
1: I think this weekend is going to be dominated simply by that one thing. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. And so many uh, national teams have said, of course, they're not taking the knee for obvious reasons. The most important of which is, look. Racism is vile. We all condemn it. Right. We all absolutely hate it. But it is completely the wrong symbol hmm. uh, and, and you know, thing to do. Because what you should be doing, rather than taking the knee in a subservient way, is actually standing tall and proud against yeah. racism. So firstly, it's the wrong thing. But the idea, I mean, the image that we all have to think about are a bunch of England players taking the knee in front of the strong, tall... Proud Scots right mm. opposite them, right, standing tall, literally laughing in their faces, yeah. thinking you English are subservient yeah. and, to us Scots. And, it's not and with, a great and with, way to start it with a, a backdrop of England's very own fans, booing them. I mean you know, it, it's, Southgate is a complete and utter uh, absolute idiot if he thinks this is a good idea. I think mentally it'll have a real negative impact on the English players. And mm. you know, bluntly, if um uh, you know if England lose to Scotland uh, in that game, then that could well be uh, one of the reasons. And, yeah. you know, you've got the same with Croatia, they're not taking the knee. Also, rather ironic,
2: isn't it, that England are playing Croatia first, right? Croatia not famously famously known for their liberalism when it comes to, um, you know, people from ethnic minorities. I mean, these are the same people
1: when England went to
2: play in Zagreb, I think, were throwing bananas at the England players, you I know, mean,
1: as recently as about two or three years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that that's appalling and we, we should always continue to condemn it. But I just think this is Without question, I think it is going to have a an impact uh, on the English players. And look, time will tell. Obviously, I'm English. I want the English team to do fantastically, to go all the way. But I, I do worry. And, and the idea of feeling sort of inferior and uh, negative... Uh, in 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 the face of the uh, the Scottish players, mm. after a mere twenty five years in an international competition, I mean, right. I know you've been waiting a long time, Mike. I mean, you know, you're you're, you're properly excited by this. Well, listen, I I have the uh, great uh,
2: ability to switch my allegiance at any moment. Being <laughs> born in London, having Scottish parents. As soon as Scotland get knocked out, which inevitably they do. And the great thing about Scotland fans is they expect to be knocked out. It's not like they expect to win anything. I mean, not since, I think, 1978 have they ever actually thought they were going to win anything. Um, You're fully
1: flexible. But as as president of the Independent Republic, of course, you can do that. Yes, I can jump
2: horses in midstream, absolutely no problem at all. But I'll tell you what's also interesting is Sadiq Khan and others saying to the Scottish fans, don't come to London. I mean, it's literally (laughs) like waving a red rag at a bull. And I mean, they're going to come down in their thousands. And guess what? They're going to go into Trafalgar Square. They're going to get drunk they're going to have a great
1: time okay. and they're probably going to get into a row with the police. And, and you know, let, let's hope they don't. But in reality, it sounds like, good, you know, great fun. We might yeah. have to go and join them.
2: Well, we it, might. I mean, I remember uh, back in whenever, whenever it was that they, they knocked over the goalposts at Wembley. My parents and my sister went into Piccadilly Circus. I was too young they left me at home. And they came back with some grass from Wembley.
3: And some said, of the Wembley turf. Because
2: yeah, they were all sort of marauding around the centre of London. And it was like a big party for anybody who was Scottish, or, or even if you weren't Scottish. And it was just a great time. Well, you no,
1: know? the Scots, they were probably trading in uh, in turf and then, you know, digging probably. up people's gardens. I knew a guy, in it was Wembley turf. a
2: guy in Glasgow who still had a piece of... T- p- p- he said, that's that's it, in, in his garden. He said, I took, took that from Wembley. <laughs> it's, it's tremendous. But, you know, isn't it ludicrous that here we have these po-faced you know serious minded so called kind of thinking uh,
1: football people who clearly have just got this so wrong that
2: they they now can't
1: they, escape they, they can't they, get they're, they're it. completely out of touch with the reality of how millions of people up and down the country uh, are thinking we want to focus on the quality of our team uh, the quality of the whole tournament the prospects of us winning or mm. not instead it's all being hijacked by this you know th- these woke wallys mm. uh, who just you know, sort of using this to their own ends. Um, I always sort of think about focusing on the money. And I'm trying to, you know, some of these people in this work brigade, of course, they're actually making a huge mm. amount of money out of all of this nonsense. Yeah. And it's quite clear from the way that many fans have reacted that just we, we just don't want it. No. Uh, and is, it's got nothing to do with people being
2: racist or, or, you know, not liking the fact that they're standing up. Because they're not standing up to racism. I mean, you know, young men who've got four or five Lamborghinis and a couple of Bentleys in the, in the mansion, you know, talking and preaching about equality. Really? And the question that nobody's asked Gareth Southgate is, what happens if somebody who wants to play for England says, I don't want to do it? Do you, yeah, do that, you, do that, you that, not
1: pick them for the team? Well, exactly. And that's, that, that, that is, in a sense, all the players have to do it. Because otherwise they know that Southgate, who is, you know, one of the leading lights of, of the White Brigade, mm. he won't pick them. Mm. And so essentially um, their freedom of choice is being curtailed. And that's a terrible thing. Mm. It's it's just completely it's the wrong signal. It's the wrong uh, you know, motif, the wrong way of standing against racism. And they've just got it completely wrong. They need to relook at it because they've they've gone so far down this rabbit hole. I fear they're not going to be able to. Well, dig themselves out of it. You know, I said this at the beginning of the week. If he'd
2: been sensible, Southgate, he should have said, Look, we've made our point. Um, we're happy that uh, as we enter the tournament, uh, you know, the, the, the boys have decided um, that, you know, yes, we are still against racism and we want to highlight the fact that, you know, it must be eradicated. So we're now going to do something slightly differently. Yeah. And everyone would be fine with that. And, but, you know, but, if they were literally. But in reality, arms I think they've,
1: they've got themselves in a position where no one will dare within the FA, within the management team a captain of the team, no one would dare say, enough's enough, mm. actually, we've got to change this. But this is It'll the be thing, too I mean,
2: the cricket world is the same. I mean, rugby, uh, in the Six Nations, England got slaughtered, right? Yep. Not least because they were taking the knee, and their minds were not on the game. Yep. And they, they performed probably one of the worst Six Nations I think we've seen for many right. years. The The England Cricket Board, the ECB, I watched a, a piece of footage of the team going out. They all had a slogan on their back saying, we stand against sexism. I'm like, you're playing cricket. What's wrong with you?
1: It's it's madness. And, you know, you've just cited the evidence of the rugby team. The cricket team are not exactly excelling, are Mm. they? And they've got themselves in this rabbit hole of wokery. Mm. And I don't know how they're going to get out of it. It needs some courage. It needs some leadership. And we're not seeing any of that. And, you know, heaven forbid, England do really badly in the... Uh, in the group stage, mm. you know, <clears throat> people will know what, uh, what's the cause of yeah,
2: it. Yeah, absolutely right. Richard, we're going to take a small break here, uh, but we're going to come back because we want to talk about uh, the G7. We want to talk about the Boris Love In with Biden, uh, who managed to arrive in Cornwall without falling down the stairs of the aeroplane, which was uh, well done. A good to him. start. Well done. Uh, maybe we'll give him a CBE, uh, but we <laughs> shall see. We'll be back uh, after this on Talk Radio. Mid morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. Richard Tice is with me. Now, Richard, one of the things we'd like to do with you every week is uh, we do Plank of the Week. Yes, we why do. Don't, why don't we do Deal of the Week? Well, you know, exactly. Because you're so, a businessman. You, you are the sort of guy that I like to know, because, you know, if I ever need any money, I'm going to come to you and go, you know, can you give me a bridging loan
1: uh, as long as it's <laughs> not well, in, in, in obviously, some way? Obviously, to you, bridge, you know, usurious, vast rates of interest. <laughs> of course. But, but I thought it'd be quite interesting, actually, to look at. And it can be a deal in, in anything, whether it's in business, whether mm. it's, uh, uh, you know, shares or whether it's In in politics, In politics, in politics, or anything, and indeed, you know, your listeners and your viewers they might actually have come across something, you know, whether it's the most amazing deal to buy a fantastic champagne that's half-priced in whatever supermarket, they could put that in. Mm. I don't think we could have a bit of fun with it and say, look, this is the deal of the week.
2: Yes, well, we're down in Cornwall, and we were down there yesterday. We'll be down there again later on at the G7, which is just a real kind of just show-off fest of nonsense, isn't it? I mean, nothing's really (laughs) going to be... Even if they do agree on some
1: kind of deal about anything, it's rubbish, isn't it? The real winner, actually, is is Cornwall, because the money that must be pouring into Cornwall... Uh, through all these leaders right. and all these huge entourages of people. You know, it must be good for the, uh, for, you know for they've the local six, economy. they
2: have got 6,000 police there, right? Do you know how many they normally have in that part of Cornwall? Probably about two. 20. 20. Right? They're all on a boat. They've, they've, they've moored them offshore on some kind of cruise ship. You know, so it's a police cruise ship. It's like
1: something out of a uh, naked it's, gun. It sort of feels a bit like the DeVos uh, summit yes. every year. And it's the great and the good, but mm. what do they actually really achieve? And, okay, so they've announced, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, the, the extension and, and giving away uh, billions of vaccines to developing right. countries. But, you but which, need,
2: but which yeah. nobody in this country really cares about. I'm
1: sorry. I mean, unless you're some kind of virtue signaling guardian reader, well, you're not going to go, oh, isn't it great? We're giving away all our vaccines all you, around the world. You don't need a great summit down in Cornwall, no. in the nice possible way, uh, to, to make that hard, difficult negotiation. Yeah. That's certainly not the deal of the week. Mm. I, I think, um, and, and then you've got, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of the, the wives there. I mean, you know, sort of take your wife to work. Mrs. Johnson's. I mean, you know, give us he a does break. look is... a lot happier though since he got married, doesn't he? Yes, he does. I uh, mean, it's obviously worked out for him. He yeah, well, he's... but but fundamentally, I think actually uh, the British people want to know what what's his decision making abilities and what decision is he going to make on Monday well, about easing the restrictions. The, that's the real that's, deal. The work, that's isn't the it? real deal. Yeah, that's the big thing. That will be next deal's deal of the week or disaster of the week. Um, I mean, and all, they... of, all of the mood music would suggest that they're, they're sort of softening us up for not much of a restriction lifting. Yeah, I sing. think I think we're going to see fudge of the century yeah. on Monday, where uh, he makes the nation feel grateful that certain other things have been eased. Yeah. But then there will be that sort of continuing fear mongering going on, mm. where essentially uh, it, there are still some restrictions, which makes it easier for them to bring in uh, more restrictions later on in the year yeah. when they, you know, come up with whatever. Uh, whatever, scariant or, or mm. reason or if there's an increase in flu so I, I'm really concerned that they're just going to keep um, a sort of an, an umbrella of mm. restrictions that uh, just, just, just worry you and people I, and, you and I have talked perpetuate about the sense yeah. of fear. Exactly, because you and I have talked about the necessity
2: for you know, London to get back to normal, for cities to get their office workers back into uh, proper 9 to 5 working or whatever it is they were doing and they, they, again they're kind of, they seem to be retreating from that idea
1: yeah, it's it's extraordinary. People don't know whether they're coming or going. And uh, interestingly, I was um, I was actually at uh, Lords yesterday evening. It was great to see some people back at, back there. albeit mm. on a small number, but I was with um, uh, met, met a young guy there. He'd been in his bedroom literally for a year. Yeah. He'd gone back to the office uh, on May the seventeenth or eighteenth. He hadn't been, you know, able to work anywhere mm. bar his bedroom. Uh, in a flat in Clapham. Yeah. Uh, he had, there were three of them in a three-bed flat. That is not good for people's no, mental health. it really isn't. So he wants to go back to the office five days a yeah. week, but he's not really allowed to by the company. They're right. sort of saying three days a week. Yeah. So this is really important mm. on young people's mental health, and it absolutely terrifies And me. in terms of commercial property, which, which you know a lot about,
2: um, is there any... What, what's the position for a lot oh, of these buildings? I mean, like the uh, building it's, it's, that's just gone
1: up over there. Yeah, look, what's, it, what's happening? Um, the reality is that uh, the office market in London, all over London, is going to have, from a valuation and um, rents perspective, is going to have a terrible time. But in a sense, no one's going to feel sorry for landlords. No. And arguably, rents coming down will be a good thing for the economy. Retail rents are, are going to go through the floor. Mm. So you could say, well, actually, to stimulate growth, that's all a good thing. And yes, yeah, some people are going to you know, take some pain. That's. But, but we need activity back in our city centres. And when you've got no travel, of course, you've got no people coming in, whether they're tourists, whether they're business people, then you're not going to have the activity in the hotels, in the centres. And it's quite clear this government I mean George Eustace confirmed it um, to talk radio just the other day, they're not really interested no. in opening up. It looks as though you know we've got this great opportunity post Brexit mm. of being global Britain, and actually this government, Boris's government, wants to turn us into little isolated island Britain yeah. for completely, completely the wrong o- reason. It's completely it, it's opposite. It's, to it's what madness. Brexit it's was it's to be an for. utter lack of leadership, of courage, and a complete failure mm. to take advantage of the vaccine success. Yeah, we're now being overtaken by. Countries all over Europe are opening up their travel to tourists, to activity, and we're gonna, we're going to be floundering yeah. because you know we're worried about um, some some variant of concern yeah. from some some far flung part of the world that we've never heard of, and and it's this you you start to wonder you know to what extent actually uh, is this deliberate is it is it big pharma who of course are making massive amounts of money, I nearly swore there, um, uh, because you know, they are making huge sums of money yeah. by selling more and more vaccines to younger and younger yeah. people, including, heaven forbid, uh, this idea of vaccinating children. And that's one of the next big battlegrounds. And then, of course, the testing companies, yeah. testing a million tests a week. Uh, with we'll tests that I don't you know, know what the
2: point of that is. What's the well, point of testing people who haven't got anything wrong with them? What's exactly. The
1: what is the point of testing a million healthy people? The number of cases you're getting is way below yeah. the false positive rate, and you think, hmm, follow the money, and that's an expression that your listeners will continue to hear from me because yeah. you know I really think that actually it is the money which is which is wagging yeah. the tail on us. this. And you know, we talk about uh,
2: travel, right? My daughter lives in Dubai. In the last week, she's been to Russia, Lebanon, and right now she's on a plane to New York, and I'm going. What's going on with me? Why can't I go anywhere? you know she can't come here because she'd have to quarantine for 2 weeks she doesn't want to come for 2 weeks you know
1: the world's gone bonkers well actually i think i think the uk leadership is going bonkers yeah. whilst the rest of the world is actually Just starting to get on with it starting to get on with it but of course so, if you're a diplomat or you're flying into cornwall on in a private jet oh, well, then there's of course, no covid no because there's a covid, COVID shield around you covid shield it's clearly you know, <laughs> it's it's like a sort of covid armour it's like yeah. you know the old warriors <laughs> from a thousand years ago it's, it's unbelievable isn't it you Absolutely make ridiculous
2: it absolutely ridiculous listen i don't think half an hour is enough time for you richard but listen great to see you uh, we'll see you same time next friday uh, have a good weekend and hopefully yeah. i think a lot of people are going to be doing a lot of things that they want to do this weekend that's my sense sunbathing and watching football bit of sunbathing bit of watching football bit of booing
1: um, <laughs> and no taking the <laughs> knee at all at any time the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio
2: Right now, though, uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Lawrence Gillis, GP at Same Day Doctor, because guess what? Uh, the news that you didn't want to hear, more than 5 million people are now on waiting lists for hospital treatment, with some forced to wait more than two years. These are new statistics, right? Right because the last time we looked, it was four and a half million. So it's now, not only is it now uh, a problem to try and see the right people in the NHS, uh, it's now going up at a rate of knots. So that's half a million, I think, in probably more uh, than three or four weeks. Dr Lawrence, very good morning to you. Good
3: morning, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah,
2: very well indeed. This is not a milestone that anyone would wish to celebrate, really, is
3: it? No, but it's a consequence, obviously, of the pandemic where you know the NHS was focusing almost entirely on COVID and everything else got put on the back burner. And now they're trying to restart and realising that there's a huge backlog. Now, this is compounded by several factors. We've got a tired, exhausted and demoralised workforce, um, plus, plus the fact that, uh, you know, patients have been getting very sick. But a lot of the procedures that COVID brought in are still in place. So, for example, one of my staff had to have a cataract operation and she had to have a COVID swab and then isolate for two days with her family mm. until she got uh, until she went into the hospital to have the operation. And that sort of thing is going on all over the country. I saw someone on Twitter saying she had to have a, um, an operation but in a different area, so she couldn't have a COVID swab in her area. She had to drive uh, uh, two hours to another area to have a COVID swab so she could have an operation done in an NHS hospital. And look, the NHS is is beset by bureaucracy at the best of times, yes. or the worst of times. This has just added another layer. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it's going to be a while before anyone thinks about relaxing those sorts of rules. So it's just adding to the problem. Yeah, but why though, uh, Lawrence? I mean, this is the problem. You know, the last time I think you
2: and I spoke about this, it was four and a half million. And I think that was just last month. So it's now gone up by another half a million. Um, and I don't really understand why, because at the at the point of sale, if you like, you know, the NHS is less busy now than it was for most of the last twelve months. So surely they
3: should be catching up with all of these uh, appointments, shouldn't they? At one level, it's less busy with COVID, but you see, in defence of the GPs who have been on the receiving end of quite a lot of criticism, what GPs tell me is that the demand is actually very high. Bear in mind, people have been stuck at home, they can't go on holiday, they haven't been able to go out for a long time, they haven't got much to think about but themselves and their health. And actually, what my understanding is, at all levels, demand on the healthcare is actually higher than ever um, because people are thinking about their bodies, they're thinking about their health in a way they weren't before. Yeah,
2: but but any other business, Lawrence, which was in this kind of situation, when demand is high, uh, you pivot around and you make sure that you can cope with that demand. Otherwise, the business doesn't work. And I'm afraid we've now had years and years and years of being told, oh, you know, there's another crisis coming this winter. We haven't got enough beds, we haven't got enough nurses, we haven't got enough doctors. You know, who's fixing
3: it? Nobody. The problem is, Mike. Whenever we, when you talk about the health service, people say, "Well, there's only two ways of running healthcare: our way and the American way," which is quite simply not true. Well, of course, it's not. Uh, and 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 you know, I've been saying this for thirty years. That the, the NHS, free at the point of use, is not going to change in my lifetime. Right. It's um, also not. That's
2: also a shibboleth because it's not free at the point of use because you and I no. pay for it, thanks.
3: Well, everyone pays for it, and you see that. Well, not everyone. That, um, well. If you, buy, if you, everyone who pays tax if, pays for it. You pay VAT. You're paying a tax. So every every time you buy something, in a sense, you're paying a VAT. Um, we've never had a grown up discussion about how best to run the health service, and and there's no doubt whatsoever that having something that's free at the point of use increases demand. Now, you know, I every day I see people who make demands on me who fundamentally have got not much wrong with them. Mm. And that, that is a huge waste of resources. And that happens all over the health service. You, you're going to pull in people uh, you know, uh, who, who could go elsewhere and get other treatment to the health service. They, you know, making it totally free just increases access. And we need to have a grown up discussion with appropriate safeguards. I don't want anyone to suffer. I don't want anyone to miss out on treatment. But it's, you know, it's not sensible. You know, the, my favourite example of that is when the prescription charge was 50p per item, about half prescriptions were dispensed free of charge. Mm. Now it's about £7 per item. Over 90% of prescriptions are dispensed free of charge. Yeah. You tell me why, Mike. That is widespread fraud. Mm. And so, for example, lots of people go on social media and say, don't go to your GP, go to the pharmacist. Yeah. But patients work out, you go to the pharmacist, you've got to pay for yeah. things over the counter. Yeah. Whereas you go to the GP, you well, go then, to... Pre-
2: surely, it's a very simple solution, Lawrence, isn't it? You just tell the GPs to stop prescribing things which can be bought over the counter. Because I well, hear these yeah, stories, but- I hear these stories all the time, where people are getting prescribed things like Calpol, you know, yeah. uh, because, you know, they can. But they shouldn't be prescribing Calpol when you can go buy
3: it. Yeah, when I started off as an NHS GP, people would come in for cotton wool and elastic stockings, which they could buy. The problem is that there's a lot of grey areas. You take a drug like omeprazole, a stomach drug, which is prescription, but it's available over the counter in a different strength. Uh, There are a lot of things of that area, and there are a lot of things that you can buy over the counter instead of a different prescription drug. So it's very hard to lay down a hard and fast rule. But I think the principle there is that, you know, the general public are very savvy about these things. They know that the NHS is free to them at the mm. time they use it. Uh, so they're not going to use alternative methods and they are going to make demands. Now, I, look, I, I feel sorry for people who need hip surgery and knee surgery It's in a lot of pain. I'm not saying they have a choice, but overall, the health service is overloaded. Um, well, yeah, but nobody's doing anything
2: about it, Lawrence. I mean, it's been overloaded over time, uh, over years, uh, continually. But yet, nobody seems to be able to make a difference to changing the way it's done, so that it doesn't get overloaded.
3: Yeah, and pouring more money into it isn't going to help. No, me, but, that's not the answer. Uh, we're overloaded. <coughs> excuse me, with <coughs> bureaucracy, with paperwork, with staff shortages, with staff leaving. Um, you know, no one. It, it no one's going to make a radical change but we we need to start by making small changes see i would have done if you'd asked me five years ago i would have started with the prescription charge i would have done away with most of the exemptions um but again not penalize you know very severely ill making people realize that at all levels healthcare needs to be paid for because yeah. it's an expensive item well, one of the things i've always been in
2: favor of is charging people five quid uh, to go to see the gp Because if they are uh, uh, going there for quite nebulous reasons sometimes, all of that will stop and people will stop going uh, when they don't really need to go. Um, And they won't have any harm. It won't harm the the general state of the nation, uh, but it will reduce quite, quite substantially the numbers of people taking up time at the GP surgery every day.
3: You're quite right, Mike. And that would definitely work. It would definitely reduce demand. And you can introduce it at some levels in accidents and emergencies as well. Obviously, not if you've been in a car accident, but for for other levels of things. Yeah. The argument is that most people can afford £5. And if you can't, then you can have a reimbursement system. I know it's bureaucratic or a stamp-based system. No, I don't think you can.
2: I think as soon as you introduce that, then all sorts of people start claiming it back. And all sorts of people start claiming exemptions. And then you're back to square one. I think you just go, sorry, it's five quid. I don't care if you haven't got any money. You better go borrow it from somebody. I'm sure you can find somebody to borrow five quid from to buy a packet of fags.
3: Yeah, as long as the, the, some of the gutter press don't come up with, you know, old lady dies because she couldn't have five pounds. I mean, that you know, that's going to that's gonna happen. Well, I mean, you mean yeah. the
2: Daily Mirror? <laughs> <laughs> Which <laughs> When you <what>? say <laughs> the gutter press. I'm not having that sort of talk on my show. One
3: that tear up live on air, I would imagine. But um... yes,
2: that would be another possibility. Yes, very, very true. But I just, I just want something to be done about it. I just want them to fix it. I just, you know, I know what's going to happen. We're going to get into like October, November, December, yeah. and it's going to be another attack on the Tories for not sorting out the health service. There's going to be another winter crisis looming. There's going to be no yeah. more beds. There's going to be a massive flu epidemic. You know, we might get COVID back, but it's the same old story. It's like being in some yeah. kind of warped time yeah. warp.
3: going to go on you know health health shouldn't be a sacred cow. after all we pay for housing we pay for electricity we pay for food yeah none of of those things are provided free they're all essential things um we've just got into this habit now that that healthcare is free and people say to me they use that word free without any realization how expensive healthcare is and how actually we're all paying for it Mm, exactly right Morally, you see, sometimes I'm made to feel inferior because I work in the private sector. But I do point out, you know, doctors are working in the NHS are not volunteers, they're being paid.
2: Yeah. Also, an awful lot of them are working in the private sector as well.
3: Yeah. And if if the doctors are being paid and the patients are paying via tax, then it's exactly the same. It's just the money is taking a more circuitous route to go from the patient to the doctor. And it's a very inefficient route um uh, as well mm. so i i would agree with you mike but you know we can we can fly that flag but no one's ever going to pick it up because you know i've spoken to politicians about it they know it is electoral suicide to charge people to see a doctor yeah. and that's why it will never happen
2: absolutely ridiculous but very good to talk to you as ever dr lawrence girl is their gp at same day a doctor there is something wrong very wrong at the heart of the NHS. I've been saying it for a long time. It is no, by no means uh, an organisation which is run by heroes. It is not an organisation uh, which deserves to be applauded every five minutes. You know, I heard a guest on Julie Hartley Brewer's show just before uh, I took over calling uh, for the amazing NHS. Well, it's not amazing. There are some things that it does rather well, but most of what it does, it does rather badly, I'm afraid. And I'm sorry if that upsets anybody that works in the NHS, but it ain't working and somebody needs to get to grips with it and fix it. Because every single bleeding year, they say the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. But nobody does anything. If you were running a company and that was the case, you'd be fired straight out the window from the 17th floor right here. If every single year I went to my boss and said the same thing about why the business didn't work, he'd go, well, fix it then. What are you doing? Why are you wasting everybody's time?
3: That, ladies and gentlemen, is the NHS, I'm afraid.
0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.
2: If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. The wokery goes on and on and on. I mean, if it's not Oxford Dons complaining about the fact that, uh, you know, they want the Cecil Rhodes statue to be taken down or else they're going to go on strike. If it's not the England football players taking the knee, if it's not the ECB kicking out young cricketers because of things they said uh, back when they were teenagers. Now, today, uh, we've got some people moaning and groaning on about the fact that they don't like the word empire. Uh, Is part of the uh, uh, MBE, CBE business of uh, various awards that are given out by the Queen uh, in the birthday honours list, awards given out by the Prime Minister uh, in his uh, or her New Year's honours list. I mean, the list of of idiocy in this country just goes on and on and on. What we're putting up with today uh, is a bunch of people who say, oh, no, uh, we want to change the word empire because obviously it has connotations that don't uh, in any way agree with us. Instead, we want to change it to excellence. Well, there's a hundred of them, right? They've been recipients of various honours. Um, I'm looking for a list of names uh, before I can so that I can uh, name and shame them, uh, which I haven't got yet, but I will try and get. And they basically want to change DBE, KBE, CBE, OBE and MBE uh, into excellence instead of empire. Let's talk to Emma Webb, whose name also begins with E, uh, to ask her what she makes of it all. Emma, very good uh, morning to you. Good morning, Mike. What an absolutely ridiculous... I mean, I've seen some ludicrous claims this this week and this month and this year. This, I think, may top them all.
4: There's a lot that can be said about this, but I think one of them has to be that the word excellence is a very naff word. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, uh, because
2: anything that's called like a centre of excellence, you know is going to be absolute rubbish, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it's so naff and and modern in the worst possible way. Um, But I think that uh, one of the things... You know, to be said about this is the history of the OBE, because um, the order was set up by um, King George V mm. after the first, well, during the First World War in in 1917, with the intention to give uh, these awards, these these orders to. Um, people from all across the empire, from India, from right. the dominions, which then became the Commonwealth, um, including to people who were the rulers, you know, rulers in India who were sort of non-combatants during the First World War, including Indians themselves. So not just not just British. Mm. Um, and I think the the point that was made there um, just during the break in the news um, from uh, someone who was criticising this is that you know this is part of our history. Um, and I don't think it's true that one of the critics um, of it being called Order of the Empire, one of the people who has an OBE, has said that this romanticises um, and is a kind of nostalgia for empire. Mm. I don't think that's true. It's called Order of the British Empire because um, that, that is its historical origin. That's when it was origin. set up, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and like saying um, the World
2: Cup shouldn't be called the Jules Rimet Trophy. Uh, any longer because Jules Rimet isn't alive anymore. Well, it's still called the Jules Rimet Trophy.
4: Yeah, and it's important to remember as well that that country that had empire is the country that we are today. And in 1917, I think we also have to talk about um, this sort of conflation between empire and slavery Mm. because um, as the historian Giles Udi pointed out, Um, After we abolished slavery, we became what was known as a sort of anti-slavery state. It was actually the British Empire that helped to put down slavery Mm. all across the world. And without that, probably slavery would have gone on for a lot longer. I mean, it still goes on today. Um, So by 1917, we'd already been working throughout the world with the Royal Navy to abolish slavery Mm. worldwide. And so I think that, you know, some of this is, you know, slightly nuanced. We have to actually look at what the history... Of it is, but I think the concern is that people who who criticise this are inevitably going to be called apologists for empire and slavery, which certainly isn't the case.
2: Well, that's right, and also people who talk about these terms, uh, these things in these terms, and about the history of this country, you would you would think that Britain somehow was the only country that had any kind of interaction with the slave trade, which clearly is completely and utterly misguided because every country did at that time, right?
4: Yeah, it's not it's not surprising actually that that this has you know, become a campaign now. This conversation has actually been going on for a very long time. Back in 2004, um, one of the Commons committees actually recommended that the order of the British Empire be phased out because of those associations with empire. And interestingly, the same committee also recommended that we change the word com- uh, commander to companion. Yes. So it's not surprising that this has been a debate that's been going on for a long time. And the it's always been something that has kind of been involved in political disputes, I don't don't know if anybody remembers that John Lennon actually handed back his his OBE or MBE even um, as, a, as a part of his peace protests. Well, I mean, I have um, more
2: time for people to do that. George, the poet, uh, whose real name is Benjamin Zephaniah, he rejected an OBE in 2003 because he said uh, that he didn't really want to have it because of its association with the empire and its history of slavery. I much I have much more respect for somebody who does that rather than these people who've taken mm-hmm. the honour and then suddenly realised, oh my God, you know, look me, it's 2021, I better say uh, I don't want this being called the same thing as it was called when I was given it. Yeah,
4: absolutely. I think there's something, you know, quite noble, actually, in handing something back as a, as part of a protest. Mm. Um, but I think that the issue really, and I, I think many people will be, you know, completely fatigued by all of this uh, continuous attempts to change names, to edit things. Um, I think people are just so tired of this now
5: yeah.
4: that um, it's, not ne- it's not really going to make the point that I think they want it to make. So if you just, you mentioned taking the knee earlier. Mm. Um, there have been some footballers and including uh, football clubs who have said that they're not going to take the knee anymore because they feel that it's no longer having the effect that they intended it to have. And I think that that is the case also with changing the name in this instance, because the cabinet office has said that they've been making efforts and will continue to make efforts to have the uh, honours list as diverse as possible. Um, And I'm not sure that changing the name of it to order of excellence, which sounds pretty naff yeah. um, and therefore also facing the historical origins of that, which, Um, you know the historical origins as i say were to give awards to people all around the commonwealth for their service during sorry all around the empire but some of those countries are now the commonwealth Mm. and can still take part in the um, order in the honors list Um, that that was intended you know to give those honors to people all around the world for their service during the second world war in non-combatant roles yes so i think that you know we, we need to have a more sort of sensible approach to our history i'm not sure that this is this is the way to do it i don't think it's going to make the honors
2: list more diverse well rewriting history is not really the right thing to do is it? it's not really the way to go history is history whether you like it or not is another matter but you can't just pretend that it should be changed in order to appease something that you now have just dreamed up because there's a certain arrogance to it i think as well where you've been given an honor by an organization uh i.e i suppose the queen um But you'd like to change the name of it in the same way that the students in Oxford want to remove the picture of the Queen because they don't think it's welcoming enough. Or, you know, the Dons want to go on strike because they want demanding that a statue be removed. You know, and it's all about it's all become very me, me, me. You know, look at me. I need to get virtue signaling going and I need to get something done and I need to get something removed or something taken away or something taken out, or something added in. It's like, why don't you just sit there, shut up and accept the way the world is around you?
4: It doesn't change the origin either of the OBE. The the origin of the OBE will always be the Order of the British Empire. That's where it came from. That's the reason why the Commonwealth countries can continue to participate in it. Um, And the association will continue regardless of how you change the name.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got a list here of all the people who have signed this letter, right? And I can honestly say I haven't heard of any of them. I don't know who they are. Um, I really don't know why they've got these MBEs and CBEs and OBEs. Um, And I couldn't really care less. I just think they are completely and utterly, um, you know, in danger of disappearing up their own backsides.
4: Well, you know, they're, they're entitled to their protest, but I think we need to be able to criticise them without being called apologists for empire and slavery. Well, how about,
2: how about you just give it back? You know, do your John Lennon and just go, oh, I'm terribly sorry, I don't agree with this anymore because it represents something that I fear I should not be uh, in receipt of. Uh, so thanks very much. Uh, have it back. Why not do that?
4: Well, well, quite, that might have more of an effect than mm. insisting on changing the name. And also, you know, it's 100, 100 people have signed this. How many people living today have received one of these honours, either OBE or right. MBE or otherwise. Um, so I'm not sure actually you know, how large a proportion they are of people who have received it. There may be people who want who have the honour, who want to keep it as order of the British Empire, yeah. not because of some nostalgia for empire, but just because they are proud of the historical roots of that yeah. being sort of uh, established by King George V and they don't want that to be changed. Enough, so I'm not enough. sure that they should be able to um, change the name of, of these no. honours. But everybody else as well.
2: No, exactly. And also because some people um, don't like it, um, you know, the people I know personally who have been given these honours are very proud of them. You know, I've got a friend of mine who got one for his charitable works uh, in the music business. I've got another guy uh, who's a famous producer um, who got one as well for his work in the music business. You know, people are really proud of, of getting an award like this. I mean, I personally, as I was saying to Julia earlier, uh, wouldn't really want one. I can not really care less if I get one. And, and as she said, any journalist that gets one, I think has been proven to not be doing their job very well because you know I don't wish to be recognized by you know somebody who tells me I'm doing a good job but you know I, I, I'll tell you whether I'm doing a good job or not you know but I, I just think you know a lot of people have, have got a lot of pleasure out of these especially since they opened it up to ordinary people like sort of lollipop women and lollipop men teachers you know people that do good works in society and it's kind of it's, it's it leaves a very bad taste in the mouth I think it's more sort of middle class woke nonsense to me
4: yeah it, it severs the link with the sort of historical roots of it that I yeah. think make people feel proud and they're not proud because of the Empire aspect of it. They're proud like I said because you know it was it was established after the second World War, well, during the second World war in, in nineteen seventeen. Mm. Um, and I think that people you know you know they, they feel a sort of connection to all of the people who have come before them from that point. Who, you know, who served during that time until the present um, and severing the link or at- attempting to sever the link by changing the name. I'm not actually convinced that it would sever the link. I mm. think people would continue to just still think of it as order of the British Empire. Um, but I do think that that would somehow, you know, for some people that that might cheapen the, the title. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, Well, that's right. But also, you know, what's wrong with these people who sort of stagger about all day, wondering about how terrible everything used to be when Britain ruled the waves and how embarrassed they all are about it? Nobody really, who is in any way normal, thinks about it. Nobody really worries about it. You know, you look around, you see St Paul's Cathedral, uh, you think, what a wonderful looking church. You don't think, you know, was Christopher Wren a paedophile? You know, (laughs) honestly, you know, but it's almost like that now.
4: It's a very, very unhealthy way of you know, interacting with history and, you know, as you say, buildings and historical figures Mm. and people even in the present as well. Um, Yeah, I just, it's, I think people will be feeling really genuinely fatigued by the constant attempt to try and edit things Mm. in light of, you know, how we're current, what our current values are and how we're currently thinking about, you know, history and so on, because, you know, in five years time, I'm sure we'll be on another moral panic about, You know, something else.
2: God, I'm hoping in five years time we'll have forgotten about all this madness and we'll have actually returned to some form of normal, uh, normal activity where we can all go out, have a good time, you know, make outrageous statements and and, uh, get into good arguments and generally have a relatively large amount of fun.
4: Well, they're they're not exactly the sort of people that you would want to go to a a party with, are they? Um, No, No, in fact, I'm going to
2: keep this list of names with me, actually, at all times, just in case I ever run into any of them and immediately leave the room if they happen to be there.
4: You know, I think that these they're entitled to their protest. But ultimately, I think we should be really very proud of the fact that you mentioned, you know, Britannia ruling the waves, that it was because Britannia ruled the waves that we were able to not only abolish slavery, but then to abolish it all around the world yeah. and to, to, to suppress slavery, um, you know, across the entire globe. And so I think that we need to have a, a more re- sort of, historically accurate understanding of the relationship between empire and slavery, because uh, ultimately for the final years of the British empire, um, you know, all the way up until, you know, our present monarch, Mm. um, there were lots of things that we, we can be proud of. Also lots of things that we should be critical of. um, And, you know, it's 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 not as straightforward as just saying that because it has empire in its name, that that is somehow um, uh, it is somehow nostalgia for a period where we were engaged in slavery. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just not um, it's just not a historically accurate understanding of the origins of the OBE.
2: No, exactly right. And it's also bad news, I think, is it not for Empire Biscuits? Um, I presume <laughs> they'll have to change the name of those at some point.
4: Well, I'm sure that uh, Imperial College London will
2: be uh, sweating. How the hell are they still called Imperial College? I mean, I don't get that either, but that's another story. Emma, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Emma Webb, uh, they're giving us her view uh, on this nonsense, the latest nonsense with the woke brigade. A hundred people who I've never heard of uh, saying that they don't like the fact that they've been given an award uh, that might have the name Empire associated with it. Get a life, for God's sake, people. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.48 and it's time for this.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards.
2: Very high levels of compliance today.
0: Very high, <laughs> We've excellent. Got bit of dancing again, going yes. on.
2: I thought I was banned. Oh, you're not allowed to dance uh, are you? under the current COVID restrictions.
5: Well, I mean, you know more sure than I do. Well, well,
2: I mean, I think you're not allowed to dance at a pub. No, but it's all right here.
5: Yeah, vertical drinking, that kind of thing. That sort of thing, yeah, yes. Yeah. Vertical
2: anything, in fact. It's yeah. all got to be horizontal. <laughs>
5: Well, You've got to be yeah. careful how you do that, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, nice to see you. Nice to see, to see you now. Missed nice. you yesterday. Yes, I you know. You missed the eclipse. I know. It was so a great day. Very uh-huh. exciting. Yes. Oh, And
2: the wine tasting.
5: Yeah, although, was it nice wine?
2: It was actually. Okay. Although Rob Rinder didn't like the first one, he said it was horrible. Oh. Which wasn't quite, I think, what uh, <laughs> Helena was looking for oh, by no. way of a uh, recommendation.
5: Oh gosh! Well. <laughs> but I she mean... might be
2: doing the same next week. We might be doing uh, the same on the old balcony next week.
5: Lovely. I'll That's be there. That's the plan. I'll be there. Good stuff. Well, Q. q-, q- uh... C- cue the Perry Award. <laughs> yes, absolutely right. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the Perry Thank Awards. You very much. Uh, this is where we look back on the Independent Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moment. Excellent. So, following tradition, mm. and anyone who's watching or well, listening, yes. get yourselves onto YouTube because you need to see these ones. Right. So, uh, following tradition, the first Perry Award goes to you, Mr Graham, Thank you. for missing the cue of the week. you.
2: of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio
5: I think w- we. now when you
2: say missing the cue do you instead mean uh, somebody not putting the microphone fader up is that what you mean
5: uh, I, I mean as soon as it's straight on you then you away we go yes
2: well I, I felt <laughs> that somehow I was speaking into the ether because right. I couldn't hear myself and I thought I'm not on yet, am I? Oh, I see. That was, that was okay. the that was the kind of confusion.
5: Well, I think but I'm not blaming anyone. No, obviously. No, not pointing any fingers. No, uh,
2: certainly <laughs> so. not, Mark.
5: Um, okay, so basically, these these. I he didn't know
2: whether I could hear him. That was the problem.
5: <laughs> well, I wasn't allowed to mention his name last week, and now you have really? just dropped Well, you know,
2: <laughs> times change, things move on.
5: You make rules up as you go of course.
2: along. Of course, how do you think I got here? <laughs> told him I could do radio long before I could.
5: Well, well, you, I mean, you're smashing it now. I am. Now know. I
2: can do it. It's true.
5: So uh, this next one, basically, mm. if I didn't put it in, I feel like it would have got slipped in anyway. Okay. Uh, so earlier in the week, conservative MP Energy uh, Dave, sorry, Davison joined Steady. us in the studio. Yes. Uh, now, there's a very slim window for, you know, if a guest kind of comes into the studio and they want some water. Mm. Uh, so... Basically, this is a ex- very much a clear example of not making it back in time. Uh, this next Perry award goes to me, another oh, yes. visual for the appearance I remember this of one the actually. week. Yeah. Yes, and um, they were all there at the gate shouting, yelling, being really yeah. abusive, really nasty, and you think. It's the poor girl's first day in parliament. Yeah, though. really. Come on, let's let's give her a chance. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is. Yeah, you should have been kneeling. You should have been yes. crawling along the floor, shouldn't you?
5: Well, I know, and and Adam was like, so uh, let's let's test your endurance yes. skills on this one. Um, it's not easy
2: to crawl while holding a glass of water.
5: No, it it is. Yes. <laughs>
2: Anyway, well done for getting but, yourself uh, thank on the uh, you. Camera. Yes, I
5: thought so. Well, um, so the Thursday Club obviously took a trip outside on the terrace in the sunshine. Uh, now, behind the scenes, obviously, set up um, is kind of quite difficult sometimes, uh, especially when the camera's rolling. I don't know anything
2: about that.
5: Um, <laughs> no. no, because the thing is, normally we do it so well mm. that you just don't even notice. That's true. However, um, producer Adam gets a Perrier Award this week uh, <laughs> for the Inconspicuous Award
4: of the week.
2: This is a one like for a, you. Thank you very much.
4: So, Vino Verde from, let's do this one.
2: This is Hungarian. And
4: there he this is. is. This is Port- Portuguese. Portuguese. This is the no. famous, like very, very light, <laughs> kind of spritzy wine
5: I love wine the fact he thinks we can't see him. I know, hiding behind
4: you. <laughs> yeah, Hi,
5: that's
2: Adam. fine. Yeah. If I go behind them, they won't see me.
5: Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, over to the breakfast show, where Julia yes. gets the mispronunciation of the week. Uh, there's going to be uh, a performance by the local
3: sea shanty group. Oh, God, can you pronounce this for me? Do you do hack our? Is that right? <laughs> um, I
2: don't know. actually. How oh, good. I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah, uh, she can't, well, She also can't pronounce sea shanty. Sea she said shanty. sea shanty,
0: sea shanty, <laughs> sea shanty.
2: That's not how you say shanty. It's not shanty. <laughs> it's shanty. It's no, What could be shanty. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not shanty.
5: Oh, uh, shanty. Definitely not that. Oh, well, definitely That's not That's
2: a that. very high bouquet moment, that, <laughs> isn't it?
5: Oh, dear. Like I piano. Used to, I used to know someone who called hummus humus.
2: Humus. Humus. I think I've called it that once when oh, I first, okay. when I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And yeah. it's like
5: quinoa as well, like quinoa. Quinoa, quinoa. yeah. <laughs> absolutely.
2: Well, the, these
5: things are sent to try as No,
2: indeed. I've never tasted that, by the way. Uh, I don't plan to.
5: No, I, I tried don't to cook like it the it. other day. Did did, you? Yeah. How did you cook it? I mean, I wouldn't take. Is it like barley?
2: Is by... you cook it it's yeah, like barley, boil I, it?
5: It's kind of like, like a rice like thing, porridge. but then it ended up being not great. No. No, No,
2: no you should um, probably plaster your walls with it. <laughs> yeah, f- it.
5: fill it in and sand yeah, it down.
2: Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. no. <laughs> Anyway, come on, anyway, don't, right. don't start laughing. So, you won't stop if no, you start. No,
5: absolutely, we're we're uh, running out of time. So yes. Ian Collins gets an award for the innuendo of the week.
1: Okay,
3: I said no, it's not that. There's nothing wrong no. with that. I There's, said There's why did they wrong. not know that they? But then were the guy down. on the
1: other end of the phone, he went, no, you're right because I can't get it up either. And- <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I thought of that immediately when he said it.
5: Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Very I think funny. I think you're, that was the suggestion from yourself, that one, Mike. It was. Uh, so Rob Rinder was in the hot seat for Ian Collins yes. this week. Uh, Rob and yourself were talking about being nervous on air. This mm. is a Perry Award for the analogy
2: of the week.
1: Just like you're smooth on top, but like you're you're like a duck's feet underneath the water.
2: That's nice, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. mean, they didn't know me smooth that well. On top. Ducks feet. <laughs> <laughs> some people eat those, you know.
5: Well, some people, yes. They're popular my- in
2: China. Ducks' oh, feet.
5: I see. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Mm. Well, the thing is, it's
2: chewy, I would imagine.
5: Oh, yes. Yeah. A bit rubbery. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fancy
3: it.
5: No. Well, fair enough. Um. Another one for Rob Brinder for yes. forgetting his own name.
3: Good. I'm Ron. Rob. I forgot my name for a second. I think it was all the <laughs> swearing. It was also because I've got my mobile phone in my hand, which makes people a bit thick from time to time. Very good. Everybody's done that, haven't they? Absolutely. get your own name.
5: Absolutely. Super. Uh, So finally, uh, a late addition from yourself with your chat with Richard this morning. Mm. You get another award for the impression of the week.
2: I mean, unless you're some kind of virtue signaling guardian reader, you're not going to go, oh, isn't it great? We're giving away all our vaccines (laughs) all around the world. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
5: I thought you might do. Very good. Well, thank um, you very much. No, thank you. That was good. Very good. It was very good indeed. Hardly
2: any mistakes at all, really. Yes. In fact, all the mistakes were from your side.
5: Thank you. Thank you
2: very much, <laughs> just to point that out. Well, that's all right.
5: Yeah. Mm. Off you go, then. Well, um, I was just waiting what are you for, waiting for? Uh, Rob Rinder to well, come back. don't worry. Back. Uh, he, th- he can there come in and you
2: can go out. It's not a problem.
3: You know. OK. But thank well, you very much that's indeed. That's all
5: for the Perrier Awards. There will be more next week.
3: The Perrier Awards on Talk Radio.